you are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. Man, I could keep going all day in that place. How many of you guys here just love Jesus just so much? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's just been something that God's been blowing me away with this week. Just how much I love him. Um, but how much of it is because he first loved me. Before I knew him, before I had any emotions, any feelings, any devotion, or any discipline, he loved me first. And I'm so grateful for that. If you would pray with me for the preaching of God's word. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for bringing us here this morning. God, we thank you for the gift of life that we are here this morning, God, breathing the air that you've given us, God, and exhaling praise to you, God. Jesus, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and your presence that is here with us this morning. God, I sense your presence. I sense your love. I sense the delight that you had towards us, Lord God. The delight of a father who is just gushing with love for his people. I thank you for your love, God, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit, and I pray, Lord God, that you would speak through me, your servant, your son, Lord God, to preach your word this morning. God, not in my own power, my own strength, but in the authority that is in the Holy Spirit of God. We open our hearts this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord this morning? He's so good. He's so good. Amen. Today, I want to talk about a very important topic, a very, very beautiful topic, one of my favorite topics that I get to talk about. But before that, I want to ask, how many of you guys have ever been to a science fair of some sort? A science fair where people are showing off their designs, they're showing off their creations. Uh, I've been there, and man, I love science fairs. They are so much fun to me. I get to go out, and you get to see all these creations, all these experiments, all these things that people have put together and that they're so proud of. They're showing it off in front of everybody with the board behind them saying what it is, the name of the contraption, the, the, the invention, whatever it is, and why, why it works, the scientific definition to why it works. And how many of you have ever walked around and seen something that you have no idea what it is? You go in there, I'm like, what the heck is this? I have no idea what this is about, how it works, what even is it for? And what do you do when you don't know what it's for? You ask. What is this about? What is this for? What is the purpose of it? Why, why is it designed the way it is? Why is it big on this side and small on this side? Why is this end made out of metal and this end made out of glass? And you begin to ask, and who do you ask? It's creator. You ask its designer, in other words. Him who designed the, the creation. You ask the creator. And let me tell you, it is same so with us. God's creation. We, as God's created, must look to heaven. We must look to God and ask our designer and our creator, why are we here for? 
What, what's the purpose to life? Why, why, why do we exist? And how are we designed? Let me tell you, just like those creations, those experiments had their designer, you and I, we also have been designed. And you and I this morning, I want to emphasize the fact that you and I have been designed for community. We were designed for each other. If you go with me to Genesis 1.26 in the Word of God, here we see one of the most beautiful events that takes place, creation, the beginning of all things. And God, he creates everything that we see that is under the sun. We begin to see the way he creates through just the very words that come out of his mouth. And here is the moment where God created mankind. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This very first chapter gives us one of the greatest glimpses to the design of man, the image of God. Imago Deo, as other words say in Latin. It, it is the image of God, meaning that every human being has the very fingerprint of God in us. This is a very, very important moment, a very, very important teaching that all Christians believe is the sanctity of life. Christians believe that mankind was created on purpose for a purpose. Mankind believes that God loves every single human being that lives and walks on this earth. They were all created with value. Woven into who humanity is, is the very idea that there is value. Value in the human life. God's image also reveals to us that, that mankind was created above every other living creature on the earth. Actually, God says to mankind, you are then to go and have dominion, subdue the earth, dominion. God created us also with the ability to know God and to be known by him. God delighted over the creation of mankind. God delighted over this. The image of God is so beautiful, but I want to get a glimpse about community in this. Did you notice the words that are used in that sentence? Let us make man in our image. Make, us af make them after our likeness. Right in the very first chapter of the Bible, we catch a glimpse of what we believe as Christians is the Trinity. God, three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And right in this moment, we see that God who is in community with himself created man in his likeness. Just like God is in community with himself, he has designed us in his likeness to therefore us also live in a way that we are in community with each other. Have you noticed why, why does it feel like we need people in our lives? It, it was written in the very design of man. From the very beginning, we were not meant to do life alone. God created us for communion with him, with community with his people, and harmony with his creation. And we get the most beautiful glimpse of this in the Garden of Eden in the beginning. We see man and God walking together in the cool breeze of the day. We see creation in harmony and in beauty. It is beautiful, and this image of beauty soon thereafter becomes interrupted by sin that enters the world. 
the fall of man. And through this, sin entered the world, death entered the world. The mankind falls and a curse falls upon all of creation. Satan then begins to take dominion of what was rightfully given to mankind by God. And even here, then havoc begins to rule in the earth. And then we have the story, you know, the Bible counts of all the, the evil that was growing in the world. And we can feel that evil still today, don't we? We can still feel it today. But even here, in the moment that seems so dark and so lost and so hopeless, God gives a promise to mankind. Right in the very beginning. Here God sows the seed of hope for man. To a shame-stricken man who is hiding from God. There is coming a day. There is coming a day when someone is going to come and crush the snake's head. There is coming a day where there is going to be redemption and life brought through a Messiah, a champion who's going to come before mankind to restore what was lost. A return to a garden. A return to the design of God. Enter Jesus of Nazareth. Luke 4, verse 18 and verse 19. Jesus shows up to the scene. He enters the synagogue. And he's talking to a bunch of people who would have known this story, who would have known about what was lost, who have had a rich history of God speaking to them through prophets, of a vision of a coming Messiah who was to make all things right, who was one to bring the redemption and salvation to humankind. And here Jesus shows up. He opens the scroll before all these people, and, and he begins to speak of a word, a prophecy that was one of this man. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll and everybody is in awe. This man spoke in a way that was different than they'd ever heard. He spoke as though he had authority. He spoke of himself in the scripture. I am that man. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the one who is going to bring salvation and redemption and a return to God for all mankind. What was lost in Adam was now to be redeemed in Christ Jesus. God designed humanity for communion and for community. And through the redemption and salvation of Christ, we get to the return to what he designed us for. You know what's amazing, and I love it so much, we talk so much about our personal relationship with God that we have with Jesus Christ, that we have with our Father in heaven. And I love that because it is. You know, Christianity is not about a list of do's and don'ts just for the sake of it. But Christianity is about us coming back in communion with God. Us coming back in relationship with him that I can talk to him. He's very real to me. He, he, he speaks today. He guides me. 
He encourages me. He comforts me. He leads me. And, and that is, is, is just amazing, the fact that we, we have communion with God. But what we want to emphasize today is that within that redemption that we have through Jesus Christ, of communion with him, he has also made a way for us to return to the design of having community with other people. Having peace with God and peace with man. Peace and community through the people who have also received the hope and salvation of Jesus. A, a brand new community that has been pulled out of, of the world, who has been set apart by God, who has been born again of the Holy Spirit, who His Spirit has brought about a new birth in us, a brand new people, His people, for us to live in communion with each other too. It is an amazing thing. This morning, the reason why I want to speak about this, this massive story that began from the Garden of Eden that is going to find its fulfillment in another garden, in the brand new world, in the brand new heavens that God is going to bring, that we speak in the prophecies of Revelation, is because I don't want to just to preach a message that say, hey, you should be part of a small group because it's fun. And it is fun. I don't want to preach a message that say, hey, be in a small group. Just because... It's what churches do. No, this morning I wanted to tell you, join a small group, but not just for just whatever reason, but join because when you join, you're actually playing into the very story of redemption of God. God is writing a story of redemption, and he's doing it through his people. John 17, 20, 21. Here we begin to see where this connection between God in his creation, the image of God, and the connection that that has to us as mankind in our relationships with each other. John 17, 20 and 21, he says, I do not ask for these only. He's talking about the disciples that were around him in his day. Jesus is praying for his people. He's praying for his disciples to God. And he says, but I also ask for those who will believe in me through their word. Who is that? You and me, us, that's us. That they may all be one was his prayer. The longing, the desire, the prayer of Jesus for his people was let them be one. That they would be one. Why? He then says, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus says, Father, the nearness that I have with you, the Son, the nearness that I have with you, Father, that intimacy from all creation, from the beginning of the world, that same type of intimacy and nearness of being of one heart was the longing that Jesus said, I want them to have with each other. For that's what they were made for. A relationship with God is a very personal, amazing thing. But let me tell you, it was not meant to be experienced alone. And it was never meant to be done alone. Church is not a building. How many know we learned that this year? <laughs> this past year. Church is not a building. I think that might be one of the, the blessings that came out of last year. 
People finally getting out of their heads that the church is the four walls and the steeple. The fact that church is just the room where they have the pretty lights and the, and the pews. That's church, right? No. We learned this year that the church really isn't the building. The church is a people. You. You're the church. Me. I'm the church. We are the church. I love the buildings that God has blessed us with to meet in. But man, let me tell you, God shows up whether we're meeting in this room or we're meeting under a bridge. God shows up whether we're meeting in a stadium or we're meeting in a classroom. God still shows up. Because he shows up, he is with his people. And his people are not tied to a, a room. His people aren't tied to, to a, a, just a place. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not bound by a building. Actually, the Holy Spirit wants you to get out of the building. To take what God has deposited in you here in places of gathering with the body and then take it to the world outside. That's what we were designed for. That's what we were made for. Now, through the, the salvation and redemption of Christ, you and I have the opportunity to realize and step into our fullest potential in our design that is to be in communion with God, but in relationship with each other, with fellow Christians. So what, what is this design supposed to look like? What, what is the church supposed to look like? What is this idea of community supposed to look like? I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible gives us a great, great example and a design for God's church. Go to Acts 2, verses 42 and 47. Here we catch a beautiful glimpse of what the church looks like. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Can somebody say amen? I love to break bread. <laughs> it's a blessing. To the breaking of bread. And the prayers. And then all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings. And they were distributing the proceeds as any came to them who had need. And day by day. Attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Reading that, doesn't your heart just burn? Reading that, does your heart burn and say, I want that. I want to see that. I want to experience that. that. That sounds right. That sounds exactly what I was designed to do. That sounds right, like it's exactly what, what we were made to be. My heart yearns for this. To see people that are so different, yet having all the same in common. So, so different but having the same in common. I remember one time 
I was in Ohio, and I was traveling with a group of, of dear, dear friends from the nation of Chile. Amazing, amazing friends. And, and they, we were having a great time, we're, and as we were traveling, they only spoke Spanish, because that's the language that they speak in Chile. And as we were together, I remember one moment, we stumbled upon a man who was also visiting the United States. Just like my friends from Chile were visiting, my, uh, we met a man from Kenya who was visiting the United States. And we ended up talking to each other, and then we were kind of like, but none of us knew the same language. <laughs> the man from Kenya, he spoke Swahili. It's the language that they speak there. I spoke English, and then my friends from Chile only spoke Spanish. But somehow we, were, we came together and we were like, hey, something about you is just awesome. Like something about you, like you just seem different. And, and we didn't know why we were like, we were kind of like thinking like, wow, you, like, it's really cool. Like, who are you? And all of a sudden, uh, the, these people from all over the world who had nothing in common, all the different styles maybe of music that we like to listen to, maybe all different styles of food that we ate, cities that we grew up, family types that we, we experienced, so, so different until all of a sudden the Kenyan man goes uh, Yesu, Yesu, and then my friends in Chile go like, Jesus, Jesus, and he goes like, Yesu, Yesu, Jesus, and I'm like, Jesus, yes, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the man from Kenya, my friends from Chile, we all come together, we're like, hey, and we just hug each other, it was like, it felt like I found a family member that I haven't seen in years. And we're singing there, and he's going like, yes, Sue, yes, Sue. <laughs> and we're like, yes, Jesus, Jesus. And we could just, even though there was that barrier of language, we felt that we all had the same common denominator. We love Jesus. We were saved by God. We have a new life, and now we're family because of that. This world tries to divide us so much constantly put in front of our faces through social media, through the TV, through everything in the culture. Divide, 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 divide. Because why? When you divide, you can conquer. Not for the house of God. Not for the people of God. We will not be divided in the name of Jesus. And I declare that in the authority that is in the name of Jesus. We are one. We have one great common denominator. We might have very different, many differences. But the greatest thing we have in common, Yesu, Yesu is who we have in common. Now to finish, I want to give you two reasons. Why does God even care about community? Why does God even care about community? It's because Every single thing that God commands, that you see in the scriptures that he, he commands for us to do, it's not because he's a jerk, right? The reason why God commands things is because he loves. You should never read the commandments of God and be like, oh, what a drag. Man, oh man, what a you know, buzzkill. 
No, but when we read the words of God, it should stir your heart up with love, that he cares enough. Just like a loving father cares enough to tell their children, don't play in the street. Right? Every command that he gives is for our good, and it's out of love. So, first of all, I want to talk about the fact that the command to be together is for our good. Uh, How many of you guys like watching Animal Planet or Nat Geo? I love it. It's so cool. (laughs) You you get to learn so many things about the, the animal kingdom, about God's creation. You get to see how God has designed things. But one of the things that that I learned while I was watching was the strategy of the lions in the African plains as they hunted, as they would hunt bulls. They would go out, they would run out, and they would study the bulls, and they would look at this massive herd of bulls as they're all running together, and they wouldn't attack. They wouldn't jump out and attack the herd. Why? Because these bulls would just stomp all over them. But what they would do, they would wait until there was one bull. Even though the bull was a lot bigger than the lions, the bull was a lot heavier, they would wait for the one that all of a sudden would isolate itself from the herd. And then be like, that's the one. Let's go for that one. Then the bulls would pounce on that one, and that would be it for that bull. One of the aims of that roaring lion that the Bible warns us about, who's seeking whom he may devour, the enemy, Satan, one of his strategies to attack the people of God is self-isolation. Isolation. He can do it through many different ways. I've seen it. He'll isolate people because of offense or bitterness. He'll isolate people because of pride. I don't, I don't really need that. You know, ah, no, I'm, I'm fine. He'll isolate people because of shame. Oh, what will people think of me? Let me tell you, if you think this is a place for perfect people, it's not. It's actually people who realize that they're not perfect and who need a God, who need a Savior, or fear. Fear has held people isolated. I just sense in my heart that there's somebody who's been fighting. Nobody knows it, but just fighting. Every day is a wrestling match. And today, God has called me this moment right now to call you back. Don't be isolated. Don't be alone. Don't let the enemy do this to you. To, to use offense, bitterness, pride, shame, fear, guilt, whatever it is, to separate you from God and from his people. This is why the New Testament is constantly, constantly, literally constantly talking about this issue. They always wrote, crush the root of bitterness, encourage one another, motivate each other in the ways of God, serve one another, Walk in humility towards each other and restore those who have fallen away gently in love and truth. Just Google it. Google in your free time. The scriptures are endless in this. 
There's a beautiful example that is in Exodus 17, 8 through 13. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's a great, great example. Here it says, Then Amalek came and he fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the very top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. They were winning the battle. Every time he was holding the staff up, Israel was winning the battle. And whenever he would lower his hand, Amalek, the enemy, would begin to win the battle. But Moses' hands grew weary. How many have been there? My hands are growing weary. Man, I don't think I could survive this semester. <laughs> you know? Uh, I don't got what it takes to raise these kids, man. How am I going to provide? How are we going to move? God, I thought this was dealt with. I thought we were done with this. I thought I was past this. His hands were growing weary. But look what happened at the end of the story. So they took a stone and put it under him. They propped Moses up, Aaron and Hur. And he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, they saw that Moses was growing weary and tired. And then Aaron and Hur came beside him and held an arm, each of them, of Moses. On one side and the other side. So his hands were steadily held up as going down of the sun. And then Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. They found victory together. What if Moses had gone up there by himself? And he had no one around him to hold up his arms. I want to ask you this morning, who is holding your arms up? Who has God surrounded you with to hold your arms up? Another question, whose arms are you holding up? Whose arms are you holding up? Guys, uh, in... In our culture, we've easily made church just about what can I get out of it? You know, what, what can I get out of this? Uh, let, me, let me get out what, what I can get out of this. It, we've turned it very consumeristic. What's in it for me? But let me tell you, maybe God has called you to a place, not necessarily because you need your arms propped up, but because God wants to use you to prop somebody else up. We need each other. We, 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 God has designed it this way. Why? Because, point number two, it is for his glory. It is for his glory. God, since the very garden, has wanted to co-labor with man. And I want to invite the band if they would come up now. And we'll finish with this. God, since the beginning, has wanted to co-labor co-labor and partner with mankind. 
And now we get to do this in the kingdom. We have a mission to go into all the earth and to make disciples and to preach the kingdom of God. The salvation that comes through our Savior and King Jesus. And we get to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven through us, his church. We are all different on purpose. I love looking out into this room, and I, and I know many, many of you. And if I don't know you, I would love to know you. I would love to meet with you. But I know so many of you, and I know how different all of us are. Just whether that's different culture, different background, different interests, different places of work, so many differences. And let me tell you, that is on purpose. We're not all supposed to look like the same person. The only one that we're supposed to look like is all Jesus. And that is on purpose that why we are different. So don't compare yourselves. The number one way to destroy community is comparison. When you start comparing yourself with others around you. Well, they got that gift and I don't. Well, they got that blessing and I didn't. Well, they, they did this and they have this and I, and I don't. Let me, this is a warning. Don't let comparison seep into your heart. Because that will destroy the community that God wants to build. God has made us all so different on purpose and so beautifully. That's why I loved looking at those brochures that you guys got. But there's so many different types of groups. Why? Because we're, we're all different. And God has called us to reach all so many different types of people. Not the same types of people. John 13, 34. And I'll finish with this. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And why does he care so much? It's because of this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. It's the greatest apologetic. It's the greatest argument to God. Is the love that we show to one another. So who's ready to say, let's do it? Let's do it. Amen. Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We serve a God who's a father to the fatherless, protector of the widow, and he sets in homes the lonely. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for your love. And God, as your body, we want to step into the design that you have set before us. We want to step into the calling you've given us. God, Lord, we want to draw near to you in communion with you. But Lord, we also want to draw near with our family in Christ, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Jesus, we want to do this because we know you've done it for our good, but also because it's for your glory. And I believe Harford County has yet to see the greatest harvest of souls that has ever been seen yet. So 
Lord Jesus. May it be so in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I want to invite Pastor Bobby. He's going to come up and walk with you guys through those very pamphlets and those things about the different activities, different groups that we have in the church. Amen. God bless you.